Hi, Ben here from Supercoach Insider, giving you my update, my updated team. So it's been a couple of weeks now. Thanks for all the love and support. This is a very flexible and fluid situation at the moment when we get into this preseason because things change on the weekly. So I'm just trying to update my thoughts. This is no way near a finished side. Obviously, Ranzo is going to throw everything out of the water, but let's get straight up and into where I'm currently sitting with my team. Now, um, I'm kind of going a little bit more defender heavy at the moment. So I'm looking at spending up big in defense, spending up big in the midfield, change the ruck sit show a little bit, and then going cheap in the forward line. And the reasoning is, and I'll get into this as I unpack it, but once you get into sort of round two and onwards, there's quite a lot of those buy rounds, which means that before you hit that first DPP split, it's a lot of it's best 18, which means it doesn't really matter if I have more rookies playing in the forward line or even more questionable rookies in the forward line because you're not going to be get caught out the same way that you used to. So that's the rationale between having some defenders, which I think will be top six, having some midfielders that I think will be top six, and then leaving the forward line a little bit more open. And because there's more value in the forward line than there is in defense and then there is in the, in the midfield, plus it then allows you to kind of wait for those DPPs to drop and then be really aggressive to try and target those forwards who look like they might have got a DPP that were a midfielder or someone that actually stands up so I can make some corrections to get them in my team. That's where I'm sitting at the moment. There is a little bit of risk in that forward line, obviously, so don't judge me too harshly because, like I said, it's best 18, so I'm okay with that risk at that point because I don't think it's going to hurt me as much as previous. Plus, I'm using those you know 250K sort of players as stepping stones to really try and launch you know one up, one down and try and be really aggressive once those DPPs hit. So I'm hoping you know, like years gone by, a Josh Kelly or someone like that, someone, like some talent to stand up because I don't want to be locking in a player that I don't know if it's going to be top six. So I'd rather secure defense, midfield, and ruck line and then get a little sketch in that forward line. So here we go. Uh, all right, so starting off with uh, some premiums here. So I've gone Sicily, Tommy Stewart, and a little one different is in short. And I'm going with um, my boy, Hayden Young. So that's how I'm kind of starting off my team. High ceiling players, um, people I think will definitely still continue to be top six. So I, I don't like spending up, but I think the forward line has so much value this year that I think you can afford to spend up on people you think will be top six. And the midfield, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a few players and everyone's thinking breakout and speculative, but there's about 18 people that could be top six, let alone top 10 in that midfield. So this kind of strategy allows me to buy myself a little bit of time, see a little bit more games, see some data, who's performing, and then who I actually want to get into my side. Because I don't want to put a lot of emphasis and money into having all of these extra midfielders at, at, at a, to a certain point and then have to upgrade around them or have to change them later anyway because they're, they're not quite as good as some others. So um, that's where I'm sort of sitting with that. Now, Zach Williams is the other um, consideration in my side until proven guilty. And I'm sure a lot of you will be very, very similar. Gibkus uh, looks like he's going pretty well here. So I think he's a really good shake for 150K. I'm passing on Curtin. Had some knee soreness. It's just a little bit expensive. I, I need to see something from him. You know, prove me wrong. Force your way into my side. Look so good that I can't ignore you. And that's pretty much where I'm sitting with Curtin. Now, Zach Reed is another one. Been in the system for a few years now. 
Looks like he's gotten over those niggles. Um, I think he's playing third, tallish. So it's going to be interesting for that to maybe replacing Kelly. But they were saying he's training really well with Buckets and with Ridley. So I'm sort of seeing him in that sort of that mix at this current point in time. And again, bars, ba- you know, bargain basement price. So I'm waiting to see if you know, a pink or someone else will stand up and you know kick him out of my side, which means that for me, though, I'm spending up in defense because I don't trust that many rookies as it stands. Now, again, happy to be proven wrong, but I think the forward line rookies, the midfield rookies, they're all kind of jumping out at me, whereas defense, I'm looking at it going, well, where the hell are you? And the best thing is that I do know that, you know, yes, I should have some possible DPP flexibility coming into that sort of side as well. So I'm hoping that at least, again, by round six, once those buys are gone and it's not best 18, I'll have a lot more flexibility and security to help lock in my side to make it a little bit more um, strong to change. And that way I shouldn't get caught out, which is the thinking behind it. Then, so anyone that knows um, how I've sort of looked previously with my side now, I know a lot of people saying Bontempelli's too expensive. You can't start the Bont. You had a little niggle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Had minor off surge, off season surgery, and he's fine. He's back playing. He's playing into Cubs. Um, I just think there are some people you want to pay up for. Now, yes, he's going to drop in cash, and he won't stay that price forever. But again, I'm looking for that double captain points. Again, high ceiling player. I also don't want to be coming up against a Bontempelli round two when they play West Coast in a buy of best 18 and not have a captain. So start all your value as much as you like, but I guarantee round two best 18 when you have a Bontempelli in an English playing a West Coast at home, you're going to want one of those players as a captain or a VC option. So that's the rationale behind that. Another person I think will yeah, definitely sure into that top eight. I don't want to be banking against him. He's extremely consistent. And again, I don't want to be looking for a 630, 650K you know, price to try and get him in anyway. So I'm looking for value elsewhere. Then I'm bringing in Dacos at this point. So Dacos has been in and out of my side. Um, a, a midfielder could definitely knock him off at this point. It's Again, there's so many midfielders that I kind of can't narrow it down. Whereas at least with Dacos, he might get tagged. I'm hoping not. You know, pure midfielder, high ceiling, which is, again, kind of the appeal for it. So for me, though, I can at least get Dacos in knowing that he will be a top six defender and at least there's some security there. So I'm trying to build the team around people I know I can kind of rely on and then trying to be aggressive outside of that because what I don't want to have happen, and I know Swizz and Chris have been talking about, oh, just flip a GWS player to him, etc. But number one, if I don't have to use the trade, then I can use that aggressively elsewhere. For instance, the second buy rounds, once all those buys are hitting there, you know, if a premium's not quite working, then I can use that extra trade to trade someone then and actually bank the extra points during that round, bank the extra credits. So for instance, if let's say I started a Houston and Houston's not really going well, but um, someone like you know, Short's coming off really well, probably a bad example because I think they're buys after that. But for instance, you get what I mean. Then you can flip Houston at his buy and try and bank those extra premiums for his buy round and really capitalize on that difference. So I don't think it's a be-all and end-all. Plus, imagine if you have to make another correction. I'd rather be around that round six mark. I'd rather be trading in. I'd rather be flipping a harms, a, a billings, flipping, and actually using the trades I've got then to go aggressive, one down, one up, 
and getting in a forward that's DPP, I don't want to be risking. I mean, if you have an injury as well, and then you're still trying to trade in Dacos as a sideways, other people are getting a premium in an upgrading, and you're just trying to you know fix an injured player and then also side swap. I think it's going to really hurt you, and that's where it does leave you vulnerable. More than people probably tell you, they just say, oh, 40 trades, go nuts, 40 trades, plenty of trades. And I'll say that in the forward line, 100%, but I think you just have to be careful of how much risk you have because, yes, you have the trades to get rid of them, but are you going to have to use that trade when others are upgrading? Because then the next week, you're playing a rookie, they're playing a premium, and then they jump further ahead. And then you're trying to make an upgrade, but guess what? That next week, when you're finally getting to upgrade, the other people are also then going one down, one up, and getting another premium. And you just end up chasing your tail, and it gets really painful, especially if you get another injury or some kind of hiccup. All of a sudden, you're then two steps behind, and it can really hurt you. So that's the rationale. Dacos is in my side until innocent until proven guilty. A midfielder might knock him off if they impress me enough, but he is still... I put him in the midfield because I trust him to be a top six in his line in defense more than I do some others at this point. Now, Butters is someone I've, I've kind of gone in and on um, averaged a crazy amount at the back end of last year, and their draw to start this season is extremely soft with some really weak opponents, which is where you know, Ollie Wines has kind of come into that rationale for me a little bit. Do I consider the bull as a, a bit of a stepping stone, someone that might make me 50 to 100K? Wines is someone that could get up to 570K. He definitely could, and then you could look at moving him on um, even, you know, He's also good cover for the buyer. So once he kind of plateaus off, you could look to get rid of him. So I have considered that there. But Butters is just, I don't think his role is going to change too much. Wines will probably go in and under a little bit more, probably push out Mead. Um, it's going to be interesting. Horn Francis probably coming in. Rosie maybe a little bit more in and out. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. So I'm going to watch those preseason games a little bit just to kind of see the balance of their midfield mix. But Butters is definitely a hurt factor, so agile, so damaging, and has a huge ceiling. So he's another one, again, high ceiling, possible kind of breakout that I'm looking at, and they have the best buy. So that's the one where I'm thinking he can actually kind of improve, but even still, he was 10th average midfielder. So he's in still top 10 based off last year's stats, and I think he's got another level that he can go. So there's probably a little bit of value for that point. And the next one as well is, uh, again, good buy. I'm thinking now Sarong is um, another one where he probably didn't put it all together, averaged extremely well, like 120 in the starting of last year. But, you know, the talk of five coming in and young coming in, etc. I think Sarong's role is the one that's the most um, likely to stay the same. He's the pit bull. It's kind of like a Libertore. I don't think he has that many strings that he can just change, whereas Brayshaw was at least... Kind of like an Anderson, he can win it inside and outside like a Walsh. So he might actually push on the wing a little bit more or push up around the contest and try and get on the outside and use his speed and agility. Whereas Sarong, I think, will just be the in and under. I don't think they're going to use Fife. I know they're talking about Fife as a midfielder, but he's not the crash and bash type midfielder. Uh, I think they want to preserve his body a little bit. So Sarong's pretty much the pit bull to get it all done and then everyone else will fall in line. So for me, uh, Sarong, again, goodbye as well. So even the buy could pick up, you know, four points, ten, uh, four, five, six points per game just based on the fact that they don't have a buy to start the season. They have the best buy uh, as well. They only share it. So Porton and Frio only share the buy with each other, which means that when you have, a, you know, six teams missing in a buy after that, he's, they're going to be scoring. So I think you, it's invaluable. Even if he gets within 
three or four points per game of another midfielder, I guarantee over the season, when you factor in that and a rookie might have scored them a 60 or a 70 for the other player that's missing, I still think Sarong and Butters will probably average you more than the players that you're going to miss, even if they're not quite there. So that's the appeal for me, and I can always look to change that later if I need to. Then I'm looking for a bit of a value pick. So this one I'm not quite sure. I'm putting in steel at the moment just because I, I really do hope you know, they need that contested side for him. I think Ross Lyon needs someone that's going to sort of stand up and actually get some stuff done. So I'm looking at a value pick. Now I've got steel at the moment. It could easily be like a Took range. Um, it could be a Guthrie. It could be an Ollie Wines. I am kind of looking around at least one sort of discount midfielder in my mix to kind of complement what I am doing elsewhere. So Steele has this point at this time. I don't, you know, again, not set in stone. You know, two could easily stand up. Um, I'm also looking at a few other options. I'm waiting to see what, um, like, Zach Jones, if he comes to the forward, Sam Berry. I don't think they're probably best 22. Sam Berry isn't. Jones has had a bad issue with injury. So if he works his way back into that midfield mix, you know, all hypotheticals, but I'm just kind of keeping an eye on a few different bits and pieces. Um, but are looking at at least one of those sort of discount players yeah, to get it done. So it's interesting. If I can save some money there, I might, and I might end up you know, looking at a, a Himmelberg or someone or other in defense to try and you know, bolster that up a little bit. So I am looking at a value option. Or, again, instead of a steal, then if a Flanders comes into it, I can then throw a read into the midfield and Flanders can come into my side. Um, or even a McRae, because I'm not far off from McRae either, so he can come back into the mix if he pulls his finger out with his hamstring rehabilitation and impresses a little bit there. So it does give you a little flexibility, but you kind of see that that spot is quite flexible and open to actually get some stuff done and uh, help balance out my side, basically. So that one's a little bit more of a value pick. You're not expecting them to be top 10. If they average you well, that's a bonus. They're someone that you know for the value, when you get through the season, you usually look for a guy that's about 500K anyway that might be a keeper or close enough to top 10. So instead of trying to find them during the season, I'm just starting with them and then hoping to be pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, or using that slightly cheap one as a stepping stone, as I said. All right. Then you've got your, your cheaper options here. So we're going with, say, your um, you know, your McKercher, uh playing off the halfback line. So again, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Extremely mobile. So it's kind of like a Zach Merritt um, except an absolute energizer bunny. So, yeah, in and out, I'm really excited to see what he does. Damaging takes it on. And um, Sanders as well has really impressed as well, putting his best foot forward, so I'm waiting for him to stand up. That contested side would help take a little bit of the um, yeah, the pressure off, off that dog's midfield. Maybe it'll be low time on ground, though, but getting in there and then resting, rather, and then while others sort of push forward, it could be the way to go. So it'll be interesting to see what that sort of mix is. and um, yeah, from there. So I'm just trying to have a look. M-A-M. Um, so Sean, I don't know how you say his last name. Someone tell me. Anna. Oh, that's a horrible interpretation. So uh, again, so another um, mature player from Geelong. They love mature players. And I think the last thing I saw this week, yeah, they're really impressed with him. They're saying you can see why he got drafted. He's picked up the level really fast. They don't want to put too much pressure on him, though but he's doing a lot of things right and picking up the level, which is a pleasing thing to see at this point. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen with that mix. Next you have Sharp. I think Sharp's now just kind of, he should be in a lot more sides. 
mainly because uh, of the, was it a hamstring issue or quad uh, from Chapman. So that just helps secure up at least a little bit of a wing spot for that point at this point in time. Clark as well. Uh, Jai Clark, they've had uh, quite a lot of positive things to say about him. Also, the other rumor is that Holmes might be even pushing half back. You've got Guthrie pushing, uh, Guthrie Jr., sorry, pushing maybe half forward flank, etc. I think it's Guthrie Jr. Surely not the Guthrie. Um, so I think they're looking to get some of these younger guys into that midfield mix as well. A bit of energy, uh, you know, with Atkins, etc. if Atkins stays in there. So uh, one to watch. Another one that they've said, you know, finally having a good run at it, and they're really keen to see what he can do without putting pressure on him. So they don't want to go, oh, we have all these expectations for this year and put, you know, the, the hex on him. But they are really optimistic on what he's going to bring this season. So he definitely has one in my side. Now, this is an interesting one. Now, I haven't even looked at this guy too much, but Clay Hall, uh, average draft position was like 20 higher than Harley Reid, which uh, I, I don't get. So maybe it's a flaw. I've seen a few others in there. So look, I do need to look into this person a little bit more, but there are a couple others that I am interested in. Now, something that has changed since the last time is I'm looking at English, and I'm probably looking at Max Gorn for a little bit of that value, mainly because Gorn, as that sole ruck, he can now actually use his body for the tap down. The new rules should help him. I mean, that's ruckcraft, big boy. So I think there's definitely points to be had. I'm even, I don't know if anyone's ever seen, so there's, um, was it Essendon showed their match sim and some photos. Now, he's going to be way too expensive, but, and I keep looking for a North Melbourne Guernsey here, but um, Todd Goldstein in a draft league could be absolutely ridiculous. At 533K, he is so experienced at tap work, and now he can actually put his arm out and actually keep opponents at bay. I am really, this is probably going to be the most thing I'm going to watch in the preseason games is how some of these Ruckmen are actually using the ability to use their arm and actually kind of hold off their opponent while tapping. So Gorn, we already know, is good at it. Um, Goldstein, honestly, from the footage and the photos I saw, he just dominated every single other Ruckman at Essendon. Not a hard feat, mind you, but imagine now trying to use a Dunkley or a Caleb Daniel or someone just to kind of run and jump. There's no chance now. So they're just going to get absolutely bodied. They're just going to get held off at bay from someone with longer limbs, more weight that they can actually use now. So I think that's a really good rule change, and I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Does this hurt English? You know, I guess you know, if he had migraines and he wasn't training, maybe he dropped some kilos. I get hypotheticals. So, but for me, no, English is in, and I, I do want to see him be strong in that rut craft. Uh, I think it's, you know, Leaves room for, for Briggs and Wits, I think, to kind of throw that body and that reach around and that experience around. So I think this is where experience is really going to come in handy. Darcy, you just know, is going to be just putting on you know, the big uh, Dusty Martin forearm, just pushing people over. So it's going to be really interesting how that kind of comes into play. I am looking at Grundy. If that round zero score is there, I'm kind of starting on the expensive end and then I can change. But Grundy, round zero, if he's pushing people over and getting tap work, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to ignore. So that's a, a wait and see, but I do really like English. Again, starts off well, high ceiling, high scorer. They play some weak opponents early on, so I definitely want to make sure I'm there for that, and I don't want to get caught out you know, with a 180 or a 200 score that English can produce uh, against me. So the next one is I have looked at sweets, depending on what's going to happen with that in Soldo. I am now tempting to go the other way and actually look at uh, Livingstone mainly because West Coast play more late games. 
I know a lot of people have gone the north, um, so is it melee? But, um, yeah, I'll wait and see what's better for that. But I think just slightly different in that mix-up. And now here comes the value. So Harley Reed, Wilson, Fife, Finley McRae, um, Billings. So he's in just going absolutely crazy with risk. Windsor. And the last one being old mate Sexton. Now, we spoke about it already. Sexton's only um, not that heavily owned. I think about 4 or 5%. So that's changed a little bit lately. And uh, let me try and fix this up a little bit. And um, just give me a second. So, yeah, that has changed like a little bit. Um, I might have to kind of switch these guys around a little bit. But, hey, that's where we're at at this point in time. So that is my team. I might have to change some of this just quickly. But that is kind of where we are sitting at the moment. Um, Windsor, get yourself on field, son. Uh, who for? Ooh, that's a tough one. I might actually switch. Windsor there, Wilson there, Sexton off. Happy days. And that is the team. So let me know what you think. You know, it, it is it's a tough situation, but have a look at that risky forward line. Oh, that makes you look sick, doesn't it? But, again, just have a think about, Best 18, you know, so round two, round three, etc. Even if there's an issue there and they're not scoring that great, I've still got a lot of those defenders sort of standing up. So what have I got? Four defenders there with Williams, Gibkiss, plus also Dacos. I've pretty much gone five heavy deep with a midfielder um, that I can throw back in. Sexton will get defender status. Uh, looks like, obviously, round six sort of mark as well. And then looking... I doubt, you know, Harms, Billings, Fife, etc. I think they'll just kind of chip away and get you your 85s, maybe a couple of big scores, hopefully, during the buy rounds, and then I'm looking to flip them. So once round six comes over, I'm literally going, right, let's go. Um, hopefully, Wilson, etc. are doing okay, but trying to then be quite aggressive, and then between round six and the, and the next lot of buys, I think you've just got to be trying to go upgrade, upgrade, as quick as you can, as fast as you can. And just, yeah, burning those trades like crazy just to try and go full primo. So when the DPPs hit, I think if you can be fast acting, a lot of people, if there's a big name, a lot of people are going to want to get them in. And I think the quicker you can try and actually make that adjustment, get them in your side, the better, which is why four lines are a shamble. Now, yes, Jackson could do well. If Darcy goes down preseason, Jackson's in my side. If McRae recovers, maybe, like, it is always concerning when someone gets injured and does a hammy or something rather in the preseason. So he's someone that you might look to target early, seeing how he goes. If you have any issues, you might be able to then bring him in with some security. Landers is another one. Uh, did score extremely well, waiting to see that role, waiting on the round zero score. Is he coming up to the stoppages still? Is he getting any CBAs? What's he actually doing? How's he performing? So I'm waiting for those questions to be answered. I know he did extremely well at the back end of last year, but I'm not just doing a blind pick on him. So I'd rather pick a midfielder that's around the same price, possibly. I just don't want to get stuck with someone like that who's getting you 90 to 95 and you think, oh, that's good enough. And then all of a sudden, four, five, six DPPs come in. You know, Darcy goes down, so now Jackson's a priority and you're still sitting there with a forward that's a bit sketchy. So, um, but yeah, with a risk like that though, once round six does come, I'm going to be super aggressive to kind of make it a lot more stronger than it is and trying to flip them when I need to, and as soon as I can when I need to. So, 
yeah, I don't want to have that risk hanging over by round six. Let's put it that way. So I'm hoping that there'll be some forwards kind of coming through um, and seeing what's going to happen. So also in defense, yeah, McKercher can be a defender. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I'll have some security then. So short, uh, so he'll be defense. Sorry, Young should get a midfield status. I've also got, um, you know, Daycost in there at this current point in time. So, you know, waiting to see what sort of eventuates from that. And that's where we're at. Um, let me know what I've missed. Let me know what you like and what you don't like with this rationale thinking. The one thing I, I am quite certain on is that with the 40 trades, with the best 18, I think value definitely needs to be had, but also not just going all value, all risk for the sake of it. Trying to get a bit of a blend between the people you actually want for the season to try and, you know, again, captains or just spending up for that rather than having to try to find the money during the season and then having some risk but being aggressive. So leaving yourself really flexible. The good thing with having some mid prices in that range or like a steel or even it goes cheaper to a wines or a um a Guthrie or someone or even going a Himmelberg in defense or going someone cheaper like a Taylor Adams in the forward line. Having a few of those mid pricer kind of options or the billings, etc. If you miss a rookie, it's easy to correct and bring them in. If you miss the mid-price boom, so if Wardlaw goes big, you've got some options to bring them in. Now, if you go guns and rookies, number one, I think you're going to get left behind. If you know, once you kind of go through those buys and some of those, you know, extra, they're having an extra mid-price, uh, an extra, you know, a Billings, a Harms, etc., and a Fife, all scoring you, or would you rather like a premium and two rookies? I don't know if the premium and two rookies will outscore three guys that are, you know, maybe cheaper during the best 18 sort of buy rounds. So that's the kind of rationale. I think Guns of Rookies is dead, especially with the buys, especially with the value, especially with the best 18 and the 40 trades. So it's a little bit more like fantasy. You kind of need to look for value. And if value presents, then go for it, especially um, with all those changes. So let me know what you think. SC Insider 100, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, TikTok as well. Please like, subscribe. If you like this content and you like it going on, don't forget to give Chris a bit of crap. I had 5,500 views on my last one. But Chris thinks it counts that he's flooded the market, but he's got more overall views. So let me know. And I'm sure Swizz will be out there as well. I'm waiting on Chris to record our midfielder podcast because he is trying to put the kids to bed. So I thought I'll get this out there. 26 minutes and 30 seconds. I am done. Talk to you soon. Bye.